Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to the Are You Listening podcast where we talk about records that we listen to for a week that we give each other that the other one has not listened to. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing all right. I was, I was, that was really odd. I, don't know. I, was, I was getting through the, the maze that you walked everybody through with explaining what the podcast was, but yeah. we got there. We you know, sometimes, out. sometimes you gotta, you gotta do it. You gotta, you gotta explain it every once in a while. I you gotta be the Minotaur. You gotta, you gotta get through that. Labyrinth. <laughs> That's right. Today we're here to talk about pavement. Uh, their second album, crooked rain, crooked rain. I guess I'll just jump into some, to some facts type things. Please do. I'm ready. I'm ready for the back, the backstory of pavement. I know it involves, sand and water right or that's cement what's the difference between cement and pavement i don't know a few guitars and a drummer pavement is an american indie rock band that formed in stockton california in 1989 uh, initially conceived as a recording project the band at first avoided press or live performances at all while attracting considerable underground attention with their early releases Gradually evolving into a more polished band, Pavement recorded five full-length albums and ten EPs over the course of their decade-long career. Though they disbanded with some acrimony in 1999 as the members moved on to other projects. In 2010, they undertook a well-received reunion tour with another reunion tour across Europe and the United States scheduled for 2022. Rather than signing with a major label after the success of their single Cut Your Hair, Pavement remained signed to independent labels throughout their career and have been often described as one of the most influential bands to emerge from the American underground in the 90s. Pavement's original lineup consisted of Stephen Malcolmus on vocals and guitar, Scott Cannenberg on guitar, backing vocals, and some lead vocals, Mark Eibold on bass, Gary Young on drums, and Bob Nastanovich on percussion, synthesizers, and backing vocals. A lot of these dudes end up doing a whole bunch of side projects too, like after Pavement. I know Stephen Malcolmus. I followed him for quite a while. He's He's got like three other projects uh, that I kind of kept up with. I, and one of one or two of them are with different members of this band. Like a Blink-182 boxcar racer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Situation. Kind of, that kind of situation, yeah. We haven't done this in a while. 
but I have a little bit of drum fun facts. During the tour for their first album, Slanted and Enchanted, Gary Young's behavior became more eccentric. He would hand out cabbage and mashed potatoes to fans at the door of the venue, perform handstands, drunkenly fall off his drum stool, and run around the venue while the band was playing. Malcolmus told Tape Op, a bi-monthly American recording magazine that focuses on creative recording techniques, we knew that he, Gary Young, was like a hippie and kind of flaky, but we didn't know he had such a bad drinking problem. We found out on that tour because he really got sick from being nervous. That's why I let Bob be in the band. Keep the beat going if Gary passes out. So Bob Nastanovich was basically in the band just to cover if Gary passed out. I really like the mashed potato cabbage thing. Like, that's just funny. (laughs) That's funny to me. Yeah. But at the same time, that would not be a dude that I would enjoy being around, I don't think. Probably not. I think the joke's very funny. Like, if I was there and saw somebody else getting a handful of cabbage and potatoes, I'd probably laugh. (laughs) Right. But then, like, if it was done to me or if it was done consistently... Because what I assume this band was part of some scene in, where did you say, what part of California? Stockton? Uh, Stockton yeah, Stockton, California. I imagine they were part of some local scene there where like, it's, you, you see the same people all the time in that scene. I imagine, and it yeah. would just be like, okay, we get it. Potatoes, cabbage, come on. Right, but come no, on. this was this was while on tour. So Yeah, which is even crazy. Yeah. I, I'm just, I was just thinking of like the man himself of how he would have acted even in the scene. Before, even the, I don't right. know, maybe it was his nerves that made him drink, like they said. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I imagine the joke wearing very thin on me after a while. I would probably think it was like the funniest damn thing the first two or three times. And then I'd be like, dude, we're in freaking Ohio. Stop with the mashed potatoes. If it's done to me consistently, I'm out. But I think weird stuff like that done consistently in different places could give somebody a story to tell for the like, imagine the people that went home and be like, Yeah, we walked into the show and I just got handed cabbage and potatoes. It's the weirdest thing. Now, that wouldn't happen anymore because it would be on social media immediately. Like somebody would take a picture of it and tweet it. And that story story would already be out in ether. But those people that had that stories, they can tell. It's it's pretty incredible. I just think as being a part of the band, it would wear thin on me. Oh, I'd ignore him. I I wouldn't even be. (laughs) I'd, I'd say I'm in the green room. I don't care what this dude's doing out here. Right. Cabbage is on the ride or whatever. At the end of their 1993 tour of Australia, Japan, and Europe, the group held a meeting in a ho- in a hotel in Copenhagen where Nastanovich, who was Young's best friend, by the way, Nastanovich and Young argued while the rest of the band remained silent, resulting in Young agreeing to leave the band. Young was replaced by Steve West, who had been a fellow museum security guard at the Whitney Museum of American Art along with Malcolmus and David Berman, who founded the indie rock band Silver Jews with Malcolmus and Nastanovich. So they were museum security guards together? Yeah. How old are these guys when they formed this band? Like, are they 20s? Are they 30s? Malcolmus would have been 23 in 89. Why can't I be a museum security guard? That sounds like a job of the Kings. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, yeah. I'm just a picture. I'm picturing Night at the Museum. I don't want things <laughs> to awaken. I'm, I'm all right. <laughs> That, that makes my job way harder if I have to chase around a painting. Yeah, but that would be fun. Running around with a capuchin monkey. Okay. Now, how fun would that be every night of your shift every week? Something it, it's different every night. It's a cabbage potato situation. It's what it is. It's, <laughs> it's going to be terrible. I, unless you give me that like once a year, like there's one day it happens, I could handle it. Other than that, I'm, no, I'm out. 
you it's can, too much. You too much. Yeah. Payment's second album, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, was released February 14th, 1994 on Matador Records. The album saw the band move toward a more accessible rock sound than that of their more lo-fi debut and achieve moderate success. It was a UK top 20 hit upon release, coming in at number 15. It also ranked at 121 on the US Billboard 200. So it did fine. Yeah, it did all right. So their first record was much less accessible than this one. This one, they went more towards a polished a polished but kind of polished more poppy sound to it yeah a more structured song sound i'm glad you brought me the second one not the first one then (laughs) that's partially why i brought you the second one and not the first one actually my my favorite of theirs is probably their fourth one bright in the corners that one's even more poppy sounding though Not poppy sounding, more, I don't know, just more structured sounding, I guess. In 2003, the album was ranked number 210 on Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time and 212 on the uh, 2012 revised list. (laughs) What two albums jumped it? (laughs) I have no idea. I'm curious, though. It's weird that it went, it kind of stayed the same. Yeah. Like it didn't really move. And to be on that list to begin with, and top 50% of that list. Their first record, Slanted and Enchanted, is on that list as well. And I think Wowie Zowie is on that list too, which is their third record. In the 2020 update of the list, the album's rank dropped to number 434. So still on the list, but dropped over 200 albums. Yeah, drastically dropped. Quite drastically. I think it's crazy that this record is actually still on the list at all. Just because it's not, it's kind of niche. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's definitely not accessible is a weird way to put this like more accessible is a weird way to put this but without the context of anything else it's hard for me to judge that word <laughs> but <laughs> it's yeah, it's definitely it's definitely niche i'll, I'll yeah. give you that a couple other things that that i thought were cool well i didn't do any reviews for this record because like murmur every review that i found was just praising it okay so i just came up with like kind of like the the record's legacy i guess so like it was also ranked number 10 on Rolling Stone's Best Albums of the 90s. 2003, it was ranked number eight on Pitchfork's list of top 100 albums of the 90s. The album was also included in the book A Thousand and One Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. I love lists. and I do as well. Potentially crossing things off of lists. 100%. For a while, I was going to try to collect the 500 Rolling Stone records. Yeah, that's tough. Because there's going to be some stuff in there that you are not a fan of. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this album made a lot of lists, though. If nothing else, it's been people have been told that it's important. It's still cool that it's being thought of, I guess. Albums also released in February 1994. Green Day's Dookie came out in okay. February 94. Okay. Emperors in the Nightshade Eclipse. I love that record. It's, it's an atmospheric black metal. Yeah, I've never uh, listened record. to that record. Oh, it's going on the list. That's one you have to listen to. And Emperor's not one of those bands that I listened to many, many years ago that I have not listened to in a long time. Dark Throne, Transylvanian Hunger, another black metal record. And Jawbreaker's 24-Hour Revenge Therapy. I don't think you've ever listened to Jawbreaker, have you? I don't think so. Well, they will be added to the list as well because Jawbreaker's awesome. Number one album, February 12th, uh, 1994, was Alice in Chains' ep jar of flies so grunge is rolling the airwaves right now yeah except at this this exact moment except for the number one single from february 12th to march 5th was celine dion's the power of love if i personally had to choose between (laughs) allison chains 
and that's Lee Dion record. I'd probably choose this Lee Dion record. Yeah, I know you would. <laughs> I'm well aware. Although I've never, I've never listened to the whole Alice in Chains record. So, well, that one's the EP. '94 was not it for me. I guess like '94 was definitely it for me. That uh, that's the year that Smash from the Offspring came out too. Okay, what does this record mean to you? Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain. Unless you got, do you have more information on it? No, I was, I was well, kind of just the stats about it. It's 12 tracks with a runtime of 42 minutes and 16 seconds. Cut Your Hair, Gold Sounds, and Range Life being the singles, the latter attracting attention due to the controversial lyrics that seem to mock alternative radio rock superstars, the Smashing Pumpkins and Stone Temple Pilots. We'll get to that. (laughs) We'll get to that. This record, to me, it kind of opened the door to kind of wacky music to me, more more odd sounding music, not mainstream stuff. Because like I said at the time, Green Day's Dookie came out. Grunge was ruling everything I was listening to. Later on in the year, The Offspring Smash came out. That was huge for me. This was a different subgenre that got my attention based off of one of these songs that we'll get into. And were you listening to music the same way then when this album came out, when you discovered it as you do now? Like, did you connect with this album? I would probably say... I was testing waters more than connecting. Okay. So you were just trying to expand what you were listening to as opposed to... Well, yeah, this was when I was coming into my own type of music. Like 7th grade, 8th grade, I would have been... 94, I would have been 12. This is when I would have been finding my own music based off of the stuff that was going on on the radio. Now, how I came across Pavement, I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think like the the only thing I can think of maybe was like like a late night MTV show cuz I remember seeing the video for one of these songs and maybe that's what got my attention but I don't know at 12 and 13 maybe I didn't find this band when they came out with this record maybe you just discovered it later and liked it a lot quite possibly okay cuz yeah 94 I probably wouldn't have picked this up because that was when I was riding my bike to Harmony House and picking stuff up based off of the cover art. And the cover art of this record is just... It's a bit messy. Yeah, it's not something that would have drawn my attention as a 12-year-old, 13-year-old. Yeah, the cover art looks more like an old concert poster. Right. I could see, I could see, like, just a messy kind of like, handwritten... Like, hand-cut, pasted... Yes, type collage yeah. type of thing. Yeah. yeah. Is it is it supposed to be an eye? Like, are those eyelashes above the title? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. And then what's the bottom part? Is that an American flag? <laughs> it's such a wild... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a weird cover. I like it, but I don't think this cover would... Like, draw your attention. It would draw my attention enough to, like, look at. Look at. I'd pick it up. I'd look at Because I like all the jewelry. I like the hands. Mm-hmm. I like that. I would pick it up and I would look at the back. And it would be one that I wouldn't be able to tell what genre it is yeah and especially like if i was if it was if it was 94 and i was in your shoes going to harmony house and only having that and you can't even there's no like listening station yeah there's no listening stations back then and you can't like google your phone what genre is pavement yeah i don't think i would have made a gamble on it i don't think this one would have that was a weird time in the world as far as finding music Like the only way I found music was rolling up to Harmony House, finding cover art that I liked, and then looking through the booklet in the CD and seeing which bands this band thanked or 
said something about or looking at the record label and then going back to harmony house and finding something with fat records on the back of it yeah there's no internet to check up on who's where and what and anything like that at listening stations were like coming into certain places when i was in that stage like when i was trying to discover my own shit yeah but here's where my anxiety ridden brain worked especially as a teenager or even preteen is i didn't want to i didn't want somebody to come up to me while i was at the listening station if i had something that was suspect like <laughs> oh, right i gotcha like if i if i picked something up and i was like oh i wonder what this li- what this sounds like but then i i feared that i would go to the listening station it would be horrible and I would, right. I, I wouldn't like it, but then somebody would see me with it and assume that I'm loving it. Yeah. And in my head, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So unless I, if if I could pull a CD book out and saw like somebody moshing or somebody jumping, right? Yeah, I was like, yeah, this this one should be fine. This should be good. Or if I if I saw Mohawk, that was it. Like I know I'm gonna listen to that record, like that Suicide Machines cover. Yes, yes, I definitely, I had to have seen that one before. I think we talked about that. I had to have seen that record at some point. Okay, so you said you didn't really, okay, maybe you didn't listen to this record when it came out, but when you were trying to discover it, mm-hmm. were you, do you still have a connection to it, or is your connection solely now on the nostalgia of discovering it the first time? That's a tough question, because there is so much nostalgia that I don't know if I can separate it. I love the music still. Yeah. There's definitely songs on here that like take me back. So there's that nostalgia. But overall, even without it, there's still songs on here that I really dig. I don't know. That's really weird. I I can't say that I connect with it without nostalgia, though, I suppose. Okay. Because the the lyrics to these songs are it's very R.E.M. For you. Yeah. Because this this there was nothing. This album took me on a very long journey. A oh, wow. very long journey. I tried listening to this in a different way than I normally do. Oh, like norm- normally when I listen to albums for this, I don't do what you do. Whereas you put it on in the background. Yeah. I, I listen to it and immediately I'm trying to dissect it first run through. Like I'm just oh, trying okay. to figure out like what's this is, what what's here, what's here. Then I know what to expect later and I can adjust listening from then on. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, we do it different. But this time I wanted to do it like you did. I, I put okay. it on in the background two or three times. And I really, I dug it. I dug what was happening. Now that's normal. If you recall, normally when you give me some records that cause me trouble, I have trouble <laughs> and then I like, I dive deeper and I swim around and I figure out right. things in there that I like and I, I come around on them. Yeah. This one I, I dug and then I tried listening to it like you and doing that. And then the more I tried to dive into it after listening to it on, on the surface, I, mm. I, I disliked it more the more oh, i wow. dive into it <laughs> oh no and then and then from there i was like okay well maybe i need to connect with this because even though i was going through it i didn't fully get all the lyrics and everything yeah they're they're out there so i said okay let's go through this with the lyric sheets and then i was trying to listen to it again like you and i was trying to find connection i was oh, i was don't, striving don't do that. <laughs> i was striving hard to find a connection with this and Probably twice through it, I I was just scrambling. And then every song that I couldn't find an entry point to connect with, I, it, I would get more irritated. And I'd just be like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> oh, no. And then um, just to uh, spill all the tea right now, I guess, I ha- I came back around to it after listening to it on the surface again. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I don't dive into this and I don't try to dissect this the way that I do for a lot of music I listen to, I guess, mm-hmm. I can get down on this. 
Okay. I, 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 I like it. Like, I came back around to it today. By the way, Thursday was the last day I listened to this until today. That's how oh, much I did. Okay. That, like, you were Thursday, done. it was like, I got it. I'm fine. Like, I'm I'm all right. <laughs> and then, and I, most, most of my notes are written Thursday. Okay. But I'm going to loop them and turn them around and just, just know that whatever's said in these notes... It was during a time before I came back around. Where you just hated it. Yeah, I was, it, yeah, it was really not for me. <laughs> because I started off listening in the background like you did, and then I couldn't find yeah. a connection. And then mm-hmm. from there, I went to a place where I was like, okay, well, maybe if I listen to this like REM. Like, mm-hmm. I'll just listen to it the way I like to listen to REM. And at that point, it, you'll see it in my notes that I have here. I felt it was unfair to compare this to REM. I felt like it was very unfair. Well, they're they're a huge amount of time between the two as well. I mean, there's 11 years between those two records, at least that plays into it too, because there were things I heard that in my head, I was like, if this would have happened in like 80, 84, I think it would be interesting, but this is so long after that. It's kind of, it, it, it didn't feel like that. So then I had to get that in my head. I had to stop comparing them to REM. Sure. So then I had to loop back around and I was like, all right, I'm going to decipher these through the lyrics. And most of these notes are when I was trying to decipher these through the lyrics. And you'll see there's a point where I hit a wall. And <laughs> you'll see and you'll see the point where I got super frustrated and gave up. I wouldn't say I gave up. There is one song I gave up on. Oh, no, but I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I gave up on the album at all. I, no, I did. I gave up on Thursday completely. Yeah, right. But with intentions of running through it again. Okay. And then when I when I eventually ran through it again, twice, mind you, I, I listened to it and I ran <laughs> through again. I was like, I know what I need to do to enjoy this album. This album isn't going to. That's why the accessible word mm-hmm. was interesting to me, because this album didn't open itself up to me. I had to open myself up to this album and listen to it in a different way than I listen to most most of the music that I choose to listen to. Right. I knew giving you this record would be it, it's it's a polarizing record. People who love it, love it as apparent by it being included on a bunch of lists, right? Yeah. People who don't get it will hate it. And I was there Thursday. I was at that hate. I was, I I didn't, I just was so lost on what I was. Whenever I dislike something, by the way, this was the hardest record you've ever given me to get into. I kind of knew it would be. I I got into Elliot Smith easier than this album. This, this is kind of a test for a couple other records that i have that i wanted to give you okay because i i have gone through a weird part of my life where i was listening to just odd music yeah and this is this was one of those records of that time and i have a couple other ones that are on the list for you that i'm not sure i'm gonna give you really i probably will give me them because there may be an album at some point where i listen to it once and then i listen to it again and i'm like I got it. I'm I'm right. don't need any more of this. Like I'm out. Yeah. But I will I will always give the effort to try. Oh yeah, no, I know you will. It bit me on this one because I tried to do I, I gave it so much effort to try to connect for your sake. Cause like I was in my head, <laughs> I was like I was like, Scott only listens to music he connects to. He had to have connected to this. Where did he connect to this? And that's why I had to ask you if you connected to it or if it you connect to the nostalgia for it now. Right. So I guess we can get into the first track off here. Let's and do it. Yeah. Again reminder whatever's written here negative you can kind of you can kind of shave it like you can shave (laughs) it down a bunch it's not nearly as negative silence kid is the first track the opener right and there's a bunch of noodling at the beginning that's all i can call it noodling like there's just something going on Mm -hmm. on the guitar 
Yeah. And then it just shifts into like Blue Oyster Cult. Like I thought I was listening to the wrong record. <laughs> okay. In my in my head, it was a Blue Oyster Cult record until the vocals come in, and I was I was digging it. I I think I like Blue Oyster Cult. I at least like okay. the hits. I have written down, and I'm gonna I'm gonna clarify when I say I have written down, so it doesn't sound like that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so every time there's a negative comment, I have written down. Yeah. It says the more I listen, the more I dislike it. Yeah, I gotcha. And then I have written right after that, which was probably the sixth or seventh run through. I updated that note and said, I can't listen to this like you, which was the problem. I was trying to listen to this like you. I was trying to force a connection, which this isn't accessible to that. You can't force this album. There's not a whole lot of heartfelt lyrics on this album in order to connect with on that kind of level, which you know me for doing. Yes. And this will be a common theme in the rest of these and why it turned around positively for me. When I'm trying to dissect it, I'm hearing the different parts and they all don't sound right together to me. Mm-hmm. But when I listen to them all together and like not even worrying about the lyrics, tr- treating and not not so much as R.E.M. because Michael Stipe's a, an enigma, but <laughs> treating the lyrics as just garnish on mm-hmm. it. Like the, sure. the lyrics aren't what the, the lyrics aren't the steak. All of it together is the meal but the lyrics don't make up the steak. I don't know what does. Right. I, I really don't, but they're all equal <laughs> parts. It's okay. It's not a steak dinner. It's a pizza. Everybody's an equal part of it. Gotcha. Let's, let's put it that way. <laughs> so when I was listening to it all collectively, sonically, mm-hmm. I, that's when I started to like it. But when I was deciphering it and we'll see through the next 11 tracks, it, there was some bad turns in this thing. I had a neat fact about silence kid, silence kid, on the record, the way it's printed, it makes it look like Silence Kit. There's a spot of paint on the back of the record that hit the D in Kid to make it look like a T. So it's been called Silence Kit for a long time. Even though when you look into the jacket, like there's handwritten lyrics by Stephen Malcolmus where it says Silence Kid, but because it's on the back cover, that little drop of paint that hit there tons of people just call this silence kit i'm sure i have something like that because it, it it sounds familiar like i've done that same thing where some design on the art on the like the background of the track list like makes a letter look different and you think yeah the words different i have to have something like that i'm gonna figure that out because i mean i guess you could say kit sounds like kid in the song too like yeah. you could hear that yeah yeah all right I, I have a few little nuggets to throw at you every once in a while with yeah, some please songs. do Please do, because I don't want. I don't want to have. I don't. I'm not trying to bring this down. I'm gonna have to elevate the uh, the emotional. <laughs> Speaking of elevate, number two, elevate me later. Okay, this this in my head. Mm-hmm. What's written down? <laughs> <laughs> and I still kind of hear this now. This track is like if Rancid opened for Dave Matthews Band. Oh wow! <laughs> like if Rancid was the kind of band that opened for Dave Matthews Band, that this is the track that I could hear them play. Interesting. <laughs> I don't think I would ever want to see that show. Yeah, no. There's a lot of stuff on here, and I don't know how, but I heard a lot of like. We'll definitely get to it on the next track too. A lot of like jam band tendencies, and the, I yeah, that's one. Th- I was going to ask you about that because they are a very like indie rock kind of jam band. There's a lot of going off off the the original musical. A lot of noodling. There's yeah. a lot of noodling. <laughs> and I don't think I have a problem with actual jam band music. Like I get it's I get why it exists. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I I don't think I I like 
jam band culture at all. Okay. I don't know if you know anybody who's super into jam bands, but ugh, no. they're not the easiest people to really get along with sometimes. Okay. <laughs> like no. just if you're out there following around fish or Umphreys McGee or even Dave Matthews to a lesser extent, it's it's a wild person that does that. I've never listened to any of those, even Dave Matthews. I promise you I'm not bringing you one. <laughs> Please don't, because I have this crazy for some reason I have this crazy hatred for Dave Matthews band that has built up since like middle school. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like I just cannot stand them and I've never listened to a full record. I think Dave Matthews is on the other side of the coin of the music you were listening to at the exact time. Like I think I think one, like, it's like the butterfly effect. One yeah. little difference in your life, and you would be a huge Dave Matthews fan, I think. Because that's right in your time, I think. Like, Dave Matthews blew up. Maybe if he didn't, like, yodel. <laughs> I can't I can't do it. I, I can't do it. They love it. There's just... I, like, jam bands are not for me. And I that's another thing. When I was going through this thing with a fine-tooth comb, there's a lot of jam band stuff I heard. Right. I had to separate it from the jam band culture, which I don't like. Right. And then had to really focus on if I like jam band things at all. Okay. So we'll we'll see more of that going forward. But elevate me later. The only other thing I have to say is it doesn't really know how to end, which I think might be that jam band thing where they right. kind of just they just kind of kept going for a while. Yeah, they just noodle around and then it just kind of stops. Right. Track three, stop breathing. I have written. I have to preface I have to no. preface it. Yeah. Uh, t- top one worst solo I've ever heard. Wow. And I put and I put solo in quotes because <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't think it was really a solo. I think it was just, you know, to put a, a sound in there. Yeah. And it's like a jam band thing. Like, it's not really a solo. It's just him playing his instrument, which they kind of do that a lot as far as like putting a sound in there. They do that not even with just their instruments. We'll get to it later, but in five minus four equals unity, that instrumental track. Yeah, we could just skip it later if you want. <laughs> <laughs> like that stuff, like the the just adding a sound in there. It mm-hmm. it it's it works and it's fine for me when I'm just listening to it all together. Like okay. like I said, if I'm if I'm not in it and trying to focus on it and trying to really get to the bottom of it, mm-hmm. then it's fine. But whenever I was every single time, I was just like, mm, okay, all right. I actually did like this track. I liked it okay. Like, it was fine. And then the longer it went on, it bored me. It, okay. It was just like, okay, we're still going. And then at the end, it was torture. It is it one of torture. the longer feeling tracks. Oh, the ending felt like a million years. It yeah. felt like torture. And then it was just sounds for a while. Like, just jam <laughs> yeah. band shit. Yeah. And then, it, then I was just, I was fully into, this is a jam band. Why is it? Is this a grunge jam band? What's happening? <laughs> I mean, kind of, but uh, they weren't grunge at all. They were a grunge period jam band, maybe grunge time. Maybe because grunge was so big that grunge was, well, well, I guess 94 is near the peak of grunge, right? Like 95. It is definitely, yeah. Alice in Chains being number one with an EP. Yeah. Definitely shows what kind of time it was. And I think we've mentioned this before, like maybe because grunge was so big it was kind of the pop sound of the time yeah. so maybe the, the the pop music that pavement was incorporating sounded grungier because that's what was what the biggest pop at the time technically one of the things they did with this record though they tried to incorporate not necessarily musical style of these bands but ideas from bands like the eagles and you'll get that on 
one of the songs in particular, they were trying to incorporate musical inspirations from popular bands in previous time. So yeah, like the Eagles and really poppy based bands, Chicago, stuff like that. I love Chicago. That's a that's what this band was missing. Some horns. <laughs> really needed to get a trombone in there. Really? Could you imagine pavement with some horns? Imagine what they would do with that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all you would hear was a spit valve. Yeah, like <laughs> like emptying and not even yeah, being played, that's it. just emptying. And then the last thing I have about Stop Breathing is just, let, let's go, end. That's what I had right down. Like, let, yeah. let's go. Come on, pick it up. It does have a long ending. I'll give you that one. Track four, Cut Your Hair. You said this is one of the singles? This was the lead-off single. Lead single. Okay. Yeah. This track really, and I this is what I have written down, although this one isn't negative, so I didn't really have to preface that. Okay. This track really made me realize that a lot of these tracks mm-hmm. could be in like an overly obtuse, convoluted romance movie, like an indie romance movie. Okay. Like I could see cars driving and things. I could put scenes in my head with these songs. Nick and, and Nora's in- Infinite Playlist. Yeah, it would have to be even way more indie and obtuse than that. Like, I don't, I don't even have a movie to reference to say what it would be. But it would just be like some indie movie that they tried to make super artistic, and this is the soundtrack they would have put with it. Yeah, and it would have been like pavement would have been part of it. It wouldn't have just been added into the movie. Then I have it feels pretentious. I feel like a lot of these tracks feel pretentious to me. Like they're doing something that they expect me to react a certain way. So that was kind of the point of this track. Okay. This, this track, what what they did with this track is they were trying to shine a light on what the industry thinks is important about okay. music. So there's the whole like, there's that whole part where he talks about, they, they go on talking about a band and, but it was just, he focused on, did you see the drummer's hair at the end? Yeah. They're taking it from the perspective of like an industry person, putting more importance on image than music and i will mention this in a later song but i'll also say i i i felt like they're saying a lot of things in a lot of these tracks mm-hmm. and it either it either goes over my head or i just don't know what the hell they're trying to say that might have also been like the time period that's possible their grunge attitude without being grunge musically uh, that might be that might be one of the main that, that grunge attitude might be what gets it for me like that might be the the one of the main speed bumps to this yeah. thing and the last thing i have written down for that track is also are they a jam band or not they sound like rancid light when it's good gotcha. <laughs> like the moments that i like it sounds like rancid light to me okay pre-rancid you could say yeah but not even pre-rancid because it sounds like parts of red hot moon if that makes sense Okay. Like Red Hot Moon isn't a super that is rancid track. Very, that is a very poppy rancid track. Yes. Yes. And I, I love, that's one of my favorite rancid tracks. I love that track. But this isn't a rancid episode. About Cut Your Hair, I have, I have a little fact. May 2007, NME placed this song at number 28 in its list of 50 greatest indie anthems ever. That's interesting that's, that it made a, that's high for a indie. What year was that list in 94? 2007. 94 was when the record came out. That list was made in 2007. That's crazy to me. <laughs> I, I, and not not because I think it's a bad song. I just, I don't, maybe I just, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get the time. Like, I don't have a much point of reference for 94. I was watching Wild and yeah. Crazy Kids and shit. Like, right. I didn't, I didn't really know. 
I don't know. That's weird. I don't. I don't have many points of reference for '94 musically. Yeah. Maybe that's the. Maybe that's my issue. Well, I mean, when when you were four, you weren't listening to Pavement. That's no, for sure. No, <laughs> no. I wish I wasn't listening to it when I was thirty. <laughs> oh damn! Uh, the video <laughs> the video for this song showed up on Beavis and Butthead. I probably saw that then because I did watch Beavis and Butthead. The single that came out for this on the B side was Pavement song Stare, as well as a cover of Camera by R.E.M. From their second album, Reckoning, which I have been thinking of bringing you at some point. I wish I would have known about that B-side. Because I, if if I would hear their cover of an R.E.M. song, mm-hmm. I think I would have ver- that would have given me a tent post to figure out what their sound is that's so much different that I'm hearing. Right. That's interesting. I might, yeah. I'm, I'm going to check out that B-side when we're done recording. I, I, that's why I brought it to you. I thought you'd find it interesting. The next track is Newark Wilder, track yep. five. Newark Wilder, nothing feels cohesive to me in this one. It's like mm-hmm. everybody took their exact time in the album to do whatever they wanted to with their instruments. Like Everybody was like, <laughs> hey guys, whatever you want to do, man. Good luck. This is fine. Kind Knock of out. Kind of jazz vibes from it. Y- yes. A grungy jazz yeah, and I'm thinking the the it has to be the grunge, and I'm still trying. I still want to figure out why. Like I'm still working on it, and getting through why the grunge sound doesn't do anything for me. Oh, we'll get there when you get an Alice in Chains record. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm still trying to figure it out, and we're getting. Cl- I don't I don't know if we're getting closer, but we're gonna have a grunge month. <sighs> <laughs> Oh, folks, if you could see his face. Does that mean you're bringing me four grunge records and I don't get any records to give you that month? Oh, that would be, that would be fantastic. You would hate that so much. Actually, if oh, I, I don't even know what the equivalent would be. Like, I think it would end up being you doing a grunge month for me and I would have to do like a like a Memphis month for you. Because I know oh, that wow, is not, yeah. no, not your not style bad. of hip hop at all. Not at all. <laughs> that would be odd yeah especially back to back if we went grunge month to memphis oh, month jesus <laughs> yeah that, i don't that's all i have written for newark wilder it didn't seem okay. cohesive, co- cohesive to me it does it, it goes away when i listen to it at the surface like mm-hmm. i said like um, when i looped back around on this album it it's fine I, it doesn't there's only one track that there's two tracks that make me go what's what's happening here even if i'm not paying attention like i'm okay. just like come on i gotcha that's not one of them though I imagine we'll get there for those ones. Oh, we will. <laughs> Track six is unfair. I have written that it's fine, but even at two minutes and 11 seconds, it feels like it overstayed its welcome to me. Okay. Like the track just, it, it either it never took off or it ran out of gas at some point because I, it was fine. But when, when it was ending, mm-hmm. may, maybe that's some of the problem here because they don't have a lot of, it's going to be the wrong term, like filler notes. Like okay. the notes they play they let them ring for a while and there's nothing in there. Okay. Yeah. And I think that makes me anxious for the next note. I'm like, come on, like, come on. Okay. I got gotcha. you. Give me another note. And that's what a lot of their endings are. Is there, yeah. it's a lot of like ringing out. And that's probably why when this thing was ending and I looked at, I looked at the time and it was two minutes and there was 11 seconds left. And I was like, Holy shit. It's only been two minutes. Like, <laughs> let's go. Next track gold sounds, mm-hmm. which is the, it's one of the singles you said. Yeah. I have written down. And 
<laughs> before I say what I have written down, yeah, I've, I've lose background. This one doesn't bother me anymore. It's it's it, listening to it just sonically with everything together, not trying to pick it apart or piece anything together. I like this track. Mm-hmm. I put I don't know, man, can't care anymore. <laughs> oh no, dude. <laughs> Yeah, this is this must be the one that broke me. This, this was the one. This was the one that said, "No, no, I I don't care. I don't." Oh man, care. that's so crazy. This song is actually listed in Pitchfork's top two hundred tracks of the nineteen nineties. Do you want to take a guess at where it's listed at? Thirty eight, number one, number number one, number one in Pitchfork's number one. list of top 200 tracks of the 1990s. This list was made September 3rd, 2010. You're telling me that this track is better than Smells Like Teen Spirit. This track isn't even better than Them Bones. Wow. <laughs> At least I can like get down to Them Bones. I disagree with that. But again, eh, music is subjective. So I'm allowed yep, to think that is. way. They are, you are. they are allowed to think that way. Yeah. <sighs> Number eight. This one's not subjective to me. <laughs> <laughs> this track is uh, five minus four the, equals unity. The aforementioned. I have written down. Nah. Nope. <laughs> times a thousand. <laughs> Confirms my jam band idea. I'm good on this Umphreys McGee jam stuff. <laughs> Longest two minutes and five seconds of my life. <laughs> This is the only track that I, after like three times through, I skipped it every time. I was like, yeah. I don't need to listen to this again. And I've never skipped a track. What was it about it that, because it's, it's for everybody that has not listened to this record, it's a purely instrumental track. Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's, I feel like calling it an instrumental track is going to get too much credit. It's just, a, it's just noise. That's, that's kind of what I was talking about earlier when they put in different sounds. Cause they have that. Wah, 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 wah. It's like a foghorn on this thing. It sounds like <laughs> it's taking place at the top of a lighthouse. It's, it's, I don't know. I no. it, it no. sounded like a jam band. It sounded like it would be going on for a half hour on the stage while everybody's just hanging out. Like, it's just, it was just like, I'm all right. That, that's all I could get from it was the jam band idea. And gotcha. that's, that's where the bottom of that one fell out for me. On the reissue, because they reissued this 10 years later, they reissued it. This song had lyrics. Whatever. Throw throw more shit in. Whatever. Like, you could <laughs> stack anything on this stream. Like, you could... The only way this song could get better is if you took some stuff away. I don't think adding to this song helps. <laughs> I'm sure this is somebody's favorite track. I'm guaranteed, actually. I know there's people that probably love this track, and it's, it's just... It's not for me. It just sounded too much... Maybe if I didn't hear the jam band stuff so soon, mm-hmm. I could have got behind it a little bit, but... Because I do like weird stuff. I like right. weird sounds, and I like stuff like that. But this one, it's you know, not this one wasn't it. So we went from gold sounds, which is where I kind of hit my wall and said I can't care anymore, yeah. into the only song on the album that I consistently skipped. So then followed up by Range Life. I really like this track. I like this track a lot. Okay. The the first time I heard it, listening to it in the background, to the the ninth time, to even looping back around on it, I like this track a lot. I think. This is the best track on the album. I'm going to spoil my thing. This is the one that should have been the the indie anthem of the decade or whatever <laughs> the shit they wanted to call it. It feels complete. It definitely feels more polished than some of the other tracks. It feels like they're an actual band working together and not a bunch mm-hmm. of musicians performing together, if sure. that makes sense. This was the song I was referencing when I told you about the Eagles influence. Okay. Yeah, and I, I see that now i i I probably heard it when i was listening to it Mm -hmm. this is the one that though really made me feel like they're trying to say something every track and i'm not hearing any of it 
Okay. Like, this is the one where they mentioned uh, Smashing Pumpkins and the Stone Temple Pilots, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't tell if they were speaking negatively or positively about them, which th then made me think of the rest of the album. I was like, yeah. I don't know if they mean any of this or what it means. I right. Don't know. Well, that, that's been the controversy with this song. Billy Corgan, he took offense to the song. So much so that in 94, Pavement was scheduled to play Lollapalooza. Smashing Pumpkins were headlining Lollapalooza and said they would cancel their shows if Pavement played. Malcolmus always said that he didn't intentionally mean it to be negative. When I listen to the song, it sounds to me more like he's putting Smashing Pumpkins crowd down instead of the actual band. And then... When he talks about the Stone Temple Pilots, I don't think he's saying anything negative about them at all. I couldn't tell. And also, that's two bands that I've never listened to anything outside of their major hits. So I, I didn't even have a personal stake in it. Like, I didn't right. even think it, it just it was just like passing. And I was like, this could be cool, but I don't know if it is. And then I didn't know if any of the rest of the songs are referencing things that I didn't understand. As much as I love this track, I still think that it overstayed its welcome. It, it okay. just lasted a little too long at the end. And I think it's that me just getting antsy and, okay, come on. I see what you guys are doing. Track 10, Heaven is a Truck. Mm -hmm. I, I really like the chorus, like with the castle and all that I, I it was really interesting to me <laughs> somehow it's too long again and it's not a long <laughs> song it's not a long song at all there, there's like one long song on this whole album as far as time goes i have written down here quit noodling and end the song <laughs> i felt like a grandpa in like some of these tracks i heard my grandson playing with his friends in the garage and i walked over and i was like guys you gotta end the song man <laughs> track 11 hit the plane down yeah, it starts with that really thick bass line at the beginning, mm -hmm. and it's just a jam band again. Just they just sound like a jam band. <laughs> I have written. Oh no, <laughs> this isn't a real track. It's a tape someone recorded of them just practicing. Nothing feels complete or even like any effort was put in. They did a lick, and then the production, the percussion went with it, and the vocalist improvised. That's it. This track was the only track not written by Melkmus. This song was was written. Uh, by Scott Cannonberg. You could have told me that none of these were written and they were all improvised and it would have made the album better to me. I'd have been like, no, that makes <laughs> sense now. That makes sense now. The only two tracks that I dislike coming back around on it are Five Minus Four Goods Unity and now the moment we've all been waiting for. Oh, no. The close of the album, Fillmore Jive. I have written. Oh, no. <laughs> a seven minute closer isn't helping the case that they aren't a jam band. I don't know, man. You oh, explain man. it to me. <laughs> So at this point in my notes, I was, it's the end of the album and I was uh, completely done. I was yeah. like, just, yeah. it, it, you, you explain it to me. Cause I'm done. I, I don't got it. I, right. I don't. And there's moments of this track that are good, but the yeah. seven minutes really hurt it in right. my mind. And I'm sure you knew that that would happen. I, yeah, I did. I am not surprised by your take on this record. I was honestly funny with myself saying like, am I wrong for liking REM and disliking this? No. REM is probably one of my top five favorite bands. So oh, wow, I God. was I was feeling guilty listening to this. Where's the cutoff then? Like, what's the difference? Because there are some things on here, because R.E.M. puts some sounds and things. R.E.M. Mm -hmm. does some things like that. There are definitely moments in here where I could see the, and it's probably just the indie band influence. Like It's gotta band. be. Yeah. I've got some wacky shit that I really enjoy. And this is one of those things that, like I said earlier, I know that Pavement is a polarizing band. I guess I'll start off my top three tracks of this record. 
Yeah, let's do it. Range Life, I already said, was number one. It's also my number one. Stop Breathing is probably three. I love that track. Heaven is a Truck. I just kind of like that chorus. It's definitely not Fillmore Jive, and it's definitely <laughs> not 5-4 Unity. Right. My number three is Gold Sounds. My number two is Unfair. And then my number one, yeah, is Range Life. Range Life is fantastic. I, I'm going to put Range Life on a... I think Range Life would fit great on a road trip playlist. It does. I've done it. And then I guess Bookend Test, which I'm not <laughs> excited for this. Do we thing. really need to? <laughs> we don't. Yeah, we don't. Um, it would be Opener, Silence Kid, to Closer, Fillmore Jive. Yep. Fillmore Jive, just... If those would be the openers and closers, I would just think this is a whole jam band record mm-hmm. because Silence, Silence Kid Noodles, and then it gets into that Blue Oyster Cult, and it, it's very rocky, jam bandy. Sure. And then Fillmore Jive, seven minute closer, jam band. I feel like I'm at a string cheese incident show. I feel like I'm watching. <laughs> oh, no. I feel like I'm watching these jam bands just noodle around. I'm I'm watching fish, and I'm I'm good. By the way, I've never been to a jam band show. I would. <laughs> I just would assume go. this is what it would be like. I I just know a lot of people who have, and I would go to check it out mm-hmm. and to experience it. Yeah. What I know now of jam band culture and what I've heard of jam bands, I'm okay. Thrown on or groan, my friend. It, it, it's a groan. It The groan has eased a lot since Thursday. Like Thursday was a bad groan. It was right. a, This was going to be the heaviest groan I've ever given you. It still is the heaviest groan you've ever given me, I think. It's a groan just because, uh, as I've said a lot of times when I'm spinning something, it's active listening. It's mm-hmm. not just in the background. And I have think I made it very clear if I listen to this in that way, I dislike it. But with with the groan, as I've said about every other groan, I'm not averse to listening to another pavement record if you would bring me one. But I'm not going to search one out myself, probably. Gotcha. What was your record of the week? My record of the week, it's funny because you messaged to me, I think in a joking fashion, that you were surprised I wasn't bumping this this week. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> that weekend album for it real is the weekend album dawn fm yes i can't talk negatively about it because i haven't listened to it but uh, i just have not been a weekend I fan really dug it jim carrey's on it he is a radio dj basically the album is like being stuck in traffic in a tunnel after you die and you're listening to the radio none of that sounds good to me like that doesn't sound fun to me. And I guess I'm not always looking for fun, but I know you're not looking for fun most of the time in your music. <laughs> uh, this was fun though. The Jim Carrey parts were not very Jim Carrey-esque. They weren't like super funny or anything like that. He was really playing like a radio DJ kind of. The last track on it was even him. I don't want to say dropping bars, but he kind of was. Like there there wow. was this, this poetry thing that he went on for a little bit that actually sounded really good. Quincy Jones is on this telling a little a little story. There's a, a Tyler feature. Uh, it's short, but it's pretty good. Uh, there's a Lil Wayne feature on it also short but a lot of this record i really really enjoyed i was having a really rough day uh with my anxiety when i finally listened to this feeling it in my chest i was super nervous i couldn't i couldn't stand still i was walking all over the place and then i threw this on and it helped ease it a bit i'm glad it helps you out that's all that matters like i'm not going to talk negatively about an an album that helped you through a time of anxiety because it could do that for anybody yeah, I mean, I don't want to. I, I don't want to say that it's going to work for anybody else. I just know that yeah. that day, when I finally decided to listen to it, 
<laughs> I was having a rough day. My actual record of the week is from a bird's eye view, the new Corday album. It, when the weakest part of your album is a gunna feature, when that's the weakest part of we, your album, we agreed on that. You got you have a hell of an album, and I don't understand how no matter how he's rapping, if it's a dirty rap, if it's a hard rap, if it's a soft song, if it's a romance song. I don't understand how he can be so good every time. Like he's yeah. he's in his bag no matter what kind of rap song it is. If he's freestyling in the studio or if he's writing these heartfelt love songs, I don't know how him lyrically is as good as it is. It's 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 surprising. And for being 24 years old, that like nowhere but up. Yeah, nowhere no. but up. It's it's super good. Yeah, from a Bird's Eye View Corday album is my album of the week. Yeah, great record. Going off of the... I, I, I had no idea what I was going to give to you today. I had like three or four things that I was just tossing around. I didn't know. And then when you started saying like you like weird things, like listening to weird things, I'm going to give you probably one of the weirdest records I've ever listened to. Oh, man. Sweet. From a weird, weird man named <laughs> Wes Borland. Oh, it is his band, Big Dumb Face, and the album is Duke Lion Fights the Terror. Duke Lion Fights the Terror. And it, it's 12 tracks. I think it came out in 01. All right. This one's going to be really interesting to talk about as a whole, because mm -hmm. when you listen to it, and I got to tell you this because it'll throw you off completely. There are three maybe four completely different genres on this album like one track will be something the next track is something completely different oh the next track is something completely different than both of those <laughs> okay so i just had to warn you because you would go from the first track to the second track and you would be so turned back it might shut you down so i just needed to oh, warn wow. you that right. that's going to happen okay interesting we are listening to Big Dumb Faces, Duke Lion Fights the Terror next week. Follow us on Twitter at AYLpod. Send us an email at areyoulistening.pod at gmail.com. That's the one. Yeah. Um, check out our Facebook group. The link will be in the show notes. Find us anywhere podcasts are available. If you want to rate us, review us, that would be fine. You, know, you don't have to. It's up to you. And we currently have one episode on Stitcher. Uh, we're not going to go back and re-upload every episode we've done so far. If I find a way to do it without having to re-upload them to all of them, I might do it. But if not, I don't. Yeah. I mean, unless unless it's called for, like if somebody says, you know, hey, I I only listen to Stitcher, I'd like to hear the other stuff and I'll, I'll sure I can figure it out. It's not. Yeah, that. we can figure but, it out. But I, I don't think we have that kind of audience. Sure don't. <laughs> thank you for listening. Yeah, Scott, thank you. Thank you. Oh, you're going to thank me for this one? I'm surprised. I'm a, no, I'm not thanking you for the album. I'm thanking you for the show. I'm yes. thanking you for the show, not the album. No, thank you. And please enjoy Duke Lion Fights the Terror. I'm curious and excited because Wes Borland was the only thing I liked about Limp Bizkit at all. It's gonna be it's gonna be something. But he's kind of a weird dude, so I don't know what to expect. Kind of is an understatement. <laughs> so Duke Lion Fights the Terror by Big Dumb Face next week. Yes, sir. But as for this week, are you listening? Are you listening? Don't Google new pavement because it's not what you're looking for. Crayon, 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 crayon. Don't be a dick.